people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. people welcome to chronicles abroad i'm francis and i'm nubia so today we are meeting with derek derek is a corporate america escapee he took the challenge to do better in his own life and decided to up the ante and move on the other side of the world to a place that he's never been before in 2018 derek moved to chiang mai indefinitely he's on a mission to travel month to month exploring other cultures derek is also a business coach and a marketing consultant helping entrepreneurs and aspiring ones to build and grow their businesses online his side hustle is to inspire black people especially black men through his experiences welcome derek thank you for being on the show thank you for having me so derek before we get into the actual like interview i met you day one like fresh off the plane yep six hours later i was still <laughs> jet lagged and everything else but that's so cool because you were welcomed literally in chiang mai by a host of other people of color men and women yep. who lived in chiang mai and were traveling through chiang mai so how did that feel to be fresh off the plane and run into a group of what like 20 of us yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was actually the only shock that I've received since I've been here, uh, mainly because, you know, I met a couple people online. I posted to say, hey, I'm coming. But, you know, I didn't think much of it. You know, being hit me up that morning was like, hey, come to breakfast. And I was tired. I literally just laid down and rested a little bit. And I pushed myself out the door and I'm really glad that I did because I've met people that I still keep in contact. It wasn't like one of those, you know, you meet a bunch of people and you don't see them again. It's one of those things that, you know, we've met and we've kept in contact and we've seen each other in passing. And for example, Nubia, I'm doing a podcast right now because of that meeting. Yeah, you just never know who you're going to come across. So, you know, that's what we always encourage people when you are traveling, just be open, you know, be open to talking to different folks, be open to exploring and everything else. So let's find out what was going on. So you call yourself the corporate America escapee. What was happening in your life at that time that you felt like you needed to do this drastic change? Sure. I was at my previous job. I was a manager at a real estate company in marketing. And eventually it really became draining. And one thing about being black in corporate America, especially a black male in corporate America, it could be very emasculating simply because you can't really be yourself and be successful at the same time. It's like, you know, I got tired of having multiple personalities. And so it got to the point that my boss and I, I literally, we, we really hated each other. And it got to the point of, I have to make a decision. Do I want to get another job, have another six months of honeymoon period, and then start to cycle all over again? Or do I want to go ahead and do what I'm really supposed to do and get out here and start a business? So I made the decision in April of 2017 that that was what I was going to do. 
and I committed to quitting my job on November 30th. It wasn't all smooth. I didn't save up a ton of money, but what I did do is start building my business that April, getting clients. And then by the time I quit, it wasn't a big deal because not only did I quit, I wound up positioning myself to get a contract from the company that I did quit for the next uh, several months. So I actually made more quitting than I did working. So it was actually uh, kind of a blessing to be able to put myself in a position to have that kind of success off the bat. I think that's great because you was able to put yourself in that, like you said, in that position and you don't know what would have happened, what would have had happened. Oh, Lord. <laughs> what had happened was. What had happened was. <laughs> right. Anyway. Had you not made the decision and stuck by your actual decision to leave. Because I think that's the most important part is making a decision and sticking to it. And you did that and it, and it turned out to be great for you. In that time period, as you decided to say, you know what, enough, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do this drastic move. You also reached out to people within groups that lived in that perspective place. So what made you choose Thailand to be your first stop? During that, I guess almost a year before, I, you know, I, I made the whole decision to kind of move over here. Not only was I going to quit, I, I decided that I wanted to do something different. So I loved Atlanta. That's where I lived the uh, previous six years before I moved here. I absolutely love Atlanta. And it was narrowed down to Thailand, South America originally, but I figured that that would be way too many distractions for what I'm trying to do right now. So I kind of turned the other way uh, against South and Central America. So Thailand was the most cost efficient and had the best internet connectivity. And so that partially made my decision as well as people that I've talked to that quit their jobs, including my business business coach. They quit their jobs and moved to Thailand. And I've done a ton of research. When I got over here, it wasn't really a surprise because I researched the absolute heck out of things to do, where to live, and how people make it and survive as expats and digital nomads. Love it. So because what happens is a lot of people don't know where to start. And I think with every start, it just comes with a decision. And once you make that decision, everything kind of aligns itself um, the way it needs to be. So you've been in Chiang Mai. How has your experience has been like living here? I researched it so much. I watched hours and hours and hours of YouTube and blogs and so forth. So when I got here, it was like I just moved to the other side of town almost. You know, the only difference, obviously, is the language barrier. I guess the feeling of being a Black man in America, that is gone. You know, I don't fear for my life. I don't fear for 50-50 chance of getting pulled over and killed by police and other nonsense. So that's one of the great things. But as far as everything else, as long as I have a working phone and internet connection, I can make things happen Um regardless. So it's been a very smooth transition for me. So is there anything that you wish you had known before moving abroad that you're like, oh man, I wish I knew that? Man, bring some seasoning. Yeah, definitely some seasoning for food. <laughs> I'm dead serious though. I'm dead serious. You know, I was smart enough to bring like, you know, black hair products and other hard to find items, you know, converters and speakers, all the, you know, all my techie stuff. And also I wish I brought more clothes to be perfectly honest, because uh, shopping over here and I'm not a big person, but things are really small here. So that has been a challenge because I was of the mindset that I'm going to bring less and I'll, I'll just buy as I need. But the uh, shopping over here is to be desired. It is. I must yeah, say, yeah, you know, but you don't need a lot. Do you realize that it's a big difference of the things that you thought you probably needed in the States versus the things you actually need? Oh, absolutely. And I try to be semi-minimalist anyway. I don't like a lot of stuff. I don't like a lot of clutter. But 
I have downsized, obviously, going from a pretty good sized place to live as well as having a car and all this stuff. I've realized that I don't need it, but I kind of did a little too much minimalization. I wish I brought a, you know, a few more things. Other than that, I mean, I prepare pretty well just based on research. Like I said, I've researched everything to death. So have you experienced culture shock? Um... Honestly, not really just because I knew what to expect when I got here. Oh, I will say the culture shock was crossing the street. I'll take that back. Learning to cross the street here was the biggest challenge I've had. Because, you know, when you're on one side of the street, you're accustomed to looking to the left, but you actually need to look right because the streets are on the opposite side and things like escalators and the malls are on the opposite side. So things like that kind of threw me for a loop. And I know that sounds silly, but it took me about a good almost week to get used to crossing the street and learning to not almost get hit. You know, it's not silly because in Japan, they don't walk unless they are, the sign says you can walk. So even if it's, there's no cars and I had to get used to that because I would just keep walking. And I realized, right. oh, I'm the only person crossing the street. <laughs> Could be three o'clock in the morning and no one is going to cross that street until that light turns. Oh, that's, that would kill me. I'm yeah. a habitual jaywalker. <laughs> you know, growing up living in Chicago, I'm a habitual jaywalker. So that is a, <laughs> that would definitely be difficult for me. Yeah, they don't do that in Japan. So as we know, travel is dominated by women. So as a black man, why do you think black men do not travel as much? Can I keep it real? Of course. Please. Um, yeah. Well, there are several factors, right? Disposable income and what we choose to do with it is one. For us, traveling, obviously it takes money to travel. So when you have a limited amount of disposable income, you have to make decisions. Women can kind of get away with being bare bones on certain things. Men, it's more difficult. So for example, if you're out here, if you're single, especially, and you're trying to date and so forth, you are judged based on what you wear, what you drive, and where you live. And women, attractiveness is really that dictator. So that doesn't matter as much. So in general, from my perspective, I feel like you have more disposable income. And two, a lot of the people, especially that live abroad, I've learned a lot of them are some form of teachers. And a lot of, you know, and there's just not a lot of men that do that. So it's not a ton of men that have businesses that are mobile like mine. That's another reason. And to be perfectly honest, when I was in corporate, I hated traveling because when I come back to work, I'm depressed for two weeks. So I'll have a good three, four fun days and then I'm two weeks depressed because I'm, the, I'm behind at work, miserable, so forth and so on. So I was like, screw traveling. I have, you know. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. I'll travel when I quit. I mean, that's real. That's really how it, I think it is for a lot of people. And I know we've talked to some folks and they say sometimes the men, you know, they're the providers. And so traveling is just not top of the list. And some of it is just fear, you know? Oh, that's, that's a big factor. And one of the things during my research, I looked for black men that are kind of doing the things that I'm doing and trying to do. And I found out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of YouTube pages, I know at least 300, I saw three brothers, three. One is doing it pretty good. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Jabril. And then there's two others. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and and Jabril's business isn't even, because he, he he's a marketer. So yeah, it's does, a little different. Similar. He's, his business is similar to mine. He just does, you know, a few different things. But we're in the same industry. And so 
having a mobile business. And that's that's why I do what I do is to help a lot of us get off the plantation so we can have that flexibility and still maintain, you know, that income. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's how Chronicles Abroad got birthed. We're two women. We were over the age of 35 at the time. We're both mothers and we could not find people like us mm-hmm. who shared their stories online. I'm like you. I researched to death. So I was researching, 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 and all I kept coming up with was young white millennials. Yep. And that did not resonate with me in any way, shape, or form. So it was like, how do we get our stories out there so that we can inspire and help motivate and educate people like ourselves who want to do the same thing? And now, everywhere you go, you can see it, which I love, Mm -hmm. you know, but within one year's time, I've seen it magnify, which is a beautiful thing. I've been gone for about six weeks now, and I am like literally more popular, you know, already than I was in the States. Just the massive amounts of DMs and inboxes on Facebook, just like, wow, you've really inspired me. And I wish I could do this, that and the other. And I tell people, I'm like, look, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You have to make your plan. You have to stick to it. And people see me out here doing my thing now. But what they didn't see was the nine months of me working 90, 100 hours a week, 50 at my job, and then 30 and 40 on my business not doing social things, not watching TV, not BSing, not traveling, not doing anything, but focus on my business. So when it was time to launch, I could put myself in the position that I'm in. And that's what a lot of people don't see. They don't see the groundwork. They don't see the struggle. And so I want to keep it real on both sides. Like, yes, the glory is great, but you don't want to put in this work to get there. Yeah. And we were just actually going to ask, what sacrifices do people need to make to actually make this dream come true? For me, uh, my number one goal was to create a source of income to get out of my job. That is the number one thing. Unless you have a job that allows you to work remotely, otherwise create yourself some type of sustainable income that will allow you to travel, whether it's starting a drop shipping business or writing eBooks or creating courses or being a virtual assistant, whatever it is, because there are thousands of jobs out here on like on a guru and Elance. So you can, there's no excuse right now because we have all these courses like Udemy and YouTube. So there's no excuses not to start some type of business. So that's your step one. While you're in your job, you need to start building your business. And so while you're doing that, you're going to have to sacrifice your social life. You're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things. You're going to be alienated from your family, your friends. People are going to probably think you're a little nutty, but hey, you have to do what you have to do, you know, probably six months, a year and so forth. But number two for me, uh, that was very important was making sure that I got out of debt. So everything, you know, I made sure that I wanted to leave debt free. Some people, that's not really possible or feasible for some people. But for me, it was like, I don't want to have to worry about paying my card. No, I don't want to have to worry about paying credit card bills and all this other stuff. So I wanted to make sure I cleared the deck. So that was another one of my parts of my sacrifice was, hey, I got to start cutting expenses, start cutting bills. And if even if you can't save as much, if you don't owe as much, you don't need as much to save. So keep that in mind as well. And the other thing I tell people is when you have these type of plans, keep it to yourself for the most part, because what happens is people would allow their negative energy and their fear, even though they mean well, to kind of get on you and then you start doubting and so forth. If there's something you want to do, kind of keep it to yourself other than maybe one or two confidants, but you, you know, you have to kind of keep it and protect it like it's your child. I think those are the main three things that you really should focus on before you make that jump. Drop that knowledge. Yes. Yeah. That was little nuggets for you. So Francis. Yeah. 
Let me ask you a question. Sure, I guess. What did you sacrifice? Uh, I sacrificed comfort. I think comfort, I think it's so easy to be complacent and be comfortable. And I was comfortable. And so I think for me, it was comfort. Uh, because at that point, you know, my son was older and he was going off to college. You know, I didn't really have too many things holding me back uh, besides just being a little bit uncomfortable. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go into this mystery dark hole of uncertainty and see what happens. What about you? You know what the funny thing about is? I can't say that I sacrificed much. I've always had an adventurous spirit. So getting up to do something different was just a, another day to me. I think if anything, if I looked back at that time, it was the stuff that I had, you know, the physical stuff, the tangible stuff. It was like, I'm sacrificing my home. I'm sacrificing my clothes. I'm sacrificing the things that are comfortable to me. But those things really truly didn't matter at this point in my life now when I look back. So the sacrifice was minimal for me. Okay. So Derek, what's next on your travels? Because I know that you have a pretty nice lineup coming up. Yeah, outside of, like I said, the three cities I mentioned earlier, I have Kuala Lumpur for a few days, then Singapore, and then Bangkok. And then, um, you know, they're coming back here. So I'll be gone about a week. Although I'll be working probably half of it, it's number one to, you know, satisfy my visa requirements. And number two, to experience places that, you know, a lot of people that travel and do all these beautiful vacation trips, these are not places that everyone goes. So I have not seen a ton of Black people in Singapore. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to kind of hit that place. After that, somewhere between Cambodia, Vietnam, and um, probably Hong Kong, but I haven't made that trip decision yet. And that will be sometime in like February, early March. Well, I'll tell you the, the price differential is real. <laughs> Between Hong oh, yeah. Kong and like Vietnam or whatever. So an easy yeah. way to decide where to go sometime is looking at the Google budget. Flights. Yeah, Google Flights is my best friend. <laughs> so that's how I made these trips because although it sounds like I'm doing a lot, all three of these plane tickets were about $125 combined in United uh, US dollars. Yeah, but don't let that get you though. Let me just give you a little bit of advice. Okay. <laughs> the flights from Southeast Asia can be so stupid and expensive. Mm -hmm. What you need to research is the accommodations where you go. So oh, you absolutely. can get to the Maldives from here for less than $200 round trip. Mm -hmm. But once you get to the Maldives, you're paying $200 a night. You know, yep. same with Singapore. Singapore the, yep. the accommodations are stupid expensive, but it's inexpensive for us to get there. And that's the same with Hong Kong. I think I lucked that. Well, I didn't, it's not luck. I kind of made my own luck with it. But I just happened to find some pretty good accommodations in uh, Singapore on Airbnb. It's a place that they say is always rented. But I think it was like $40 a night, surprisingly, because everywhere else was like 90, 100, 150s. And it's actually in the city of Singapore. It's not like way out in the middle of nowhere. So I just, uh, you know, I was fortunate with that. And I'll probably do hostels in Bangkok and uh, Kuala Lumpur. Well, I have some recommendations for you for that. Okay. But in regards to even the price in Singapore, once you've lived in places like Chiang Mai, you get spoiled because $40 a night is a lot. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm used to Chicago and Atlanta. So I'm still, I still think everything in the United States prices. I haven't mm. converted my brain. And I, you know, my clients pay me obviously in US dollars as well. So when I see numbers, I still see everything in US dollars. So it's not that big of a hit for me yet because I just haven't gotten into the uh, 
the bot system very much. Yeah, I, I use a bot. converter on my phone. I yeah, I use the converter on my phone. So when someone gives me a number, I was like, okay, nope. That's, I'm like, oh, that's $30. Nope, that's too much. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's up. So you're enjoying yourself over here. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Uh, it, wait, are you by yourself? Are you traveling I am solo? By myself. Yep, I'm a solo traveler. Is it first time solo traveling? Um, no, not my first time. Uh, but this is the first time being a solo expat. Got it. Got it. So, how does it feel? Like, since it's so fresh, like, what kind of emotions or feelings have you tapped into, or have you had an opportunity to, or does it feel like you're vacationing? Um, you know, it's funny, I guess, because I'm a natural adapter personality, so I adapt very easily. And I grew up as an only child, so I'm accustomed to being by myself and enjoy my own company. So, for me, it really has not been a big deal. It's like I'm just in a different place, but I'm doing the same stuff. I keep the same work schedule. The only thing is I could save a lot more money because I'm not spending as much. That's really it. I really have not had any like I'm lonely or, you know, I miss like food because I'm I'm over noodles and, and rice. I will tell you that I'm definitely over that, but it just has not really been a humongous hard adjustment for me at this point. Has there anything that you've done that has been the most adventurous since you've been abroad? So I've done zip lining, I've done this trekking in this crazy jungle somewhere, and then the elephant, uh, you know, did the whole elephant tour thing. So those have been the main things I've done. So I want to start making sure that I do something adventurous every month. So I definitely want to do cliff diving and all types of water sports and jumping out, I mean, off of boats and all types of things like that, cave diving and uh, exploring and so forth. You like that adrenaline rush, huh? Cliff diving? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's, I love like any type of adventure, anything, because I'm not a person that sits still a lot. I move a lot. I like you know, always constant simulations. So that's one of the reasons I'm not much of a TV uh, watcher or movies, anything like that. I need to, I like to move. Nice. I love it. So tell me, has this permanent decision impacted any of your relationships in the States yep. with friends or family? Um, Friends and family, not really. I think it was kind of a shock to a lot of people because I did not tell most people that I was moving here until I did a Facebook video on my last night before I left to tell people. And again, that's about protecting your dreams and protecting your energy. Um, so I just didn't tell probably 95% of people I knew or more. You know, I told like people that are close to like my mom and my cousin and a couple other people, my best friends, they knew. But other than that, not really, because I still communicate with them the same amount. I'm not much of a phone person, so I communicate with them the same amount as I did before I left the States. So nothing really has changed except, obviously, I'm about 8,500 miles away as opposed to a couple hundred. So you had mentioned, um, actually, no, skip that. Okay. <laughs> She's just so I had a question and it escaped She's me. like... She's like absent-minded right now. She's like, I apologize. I'm every day. I apologize. I had it. Sometimes you just see her face. She's like, it was there. And now it's gone. So you were talking about all the research that you did before you moved. Did you have any concerns prior to moving overseas? Um, I guess the main concerns were, you know, all the visa stuff and just trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to do that. That was really my main concern because, you know, you're supposed to leave the country every 30 days and all this checking and they putting people out and all that stuff. Um, that was really, 
I wasn't too much concerned about language barriers because, you know, again, as long as you have the internet, you can kind of go around that stuff with different uh, apps and so forth. And I guess, you know, making sure that I eat and exercise properly, those were really my only concerns. So what things have you learned about yourself, you know, since you've been on this journey? That I'm I'm more resourceful than I thought. Well, I know I'm resourceful, but I'm even more resourceful than I thought it was. And I'm a lot more social and more open to meeting people because I guess in the States, I was a lot more closed off and I'm kind of that introverted extrovert. I'm I'm an introvert by by default, but I'm an extrovert when I have to be social. So I found myself being more of an extrovert than I normally do, like walking up and talking to people because, you know, in the States, typically I don't do that. Yeah, because, you know, when you're in a new environment, it feels kind of like, okay, we're in this together kind of thing, you know, so it feels the entryway to having that conversation seems really low. See, so, and I'm the opposite. In the States, I was like a uber extrovert. Living mm. abroad, I really valued the time I that... I don't a difference. I, you don't see a difference? What are you talking about? I really I like do enjoy. You're, maybe know, you're not an Uber like extrovert, but you're still an yeah. extrovert. <laughs> maybe yeah. not you're Uber, but you went down yeah. like to extrovert. <laughs> I don't, I don't see a difference. It yeah, isn't. You're an extrovert. It, it you're an extrovert. I, I think I'm an introverted extrovert. Nah, B. Mm -hmm. Nah, uh -uh. I, I can't agree with that one. No. Oh yeah, and I barely know Sorry. Whatever you're gonna say has no value now. Sorry. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Forget you both. <laughs> Strange um, that, you know, I guess coming from Atlanta where there's everybody's black to here when there's almost no one's black. It's like when you see somebody black, oh, you automatically speak. And if they don't speak back, you know, they're from some other country that's not America. Oh, my gosh. That's one of my biggest pet peeves, because I could be anywhere in the world, see a black person across the street and be like, yo, what's up? And if they don't speak to me, half the time they are even black from another country yep, other than America. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> I get it on both ends sometimes. Yeah, Americans do that to you? The black people that hang around the white people, they won't speak either. I forgot about them. <laughs> what? Really? Yes. Especially if they're like on you're a describing date with, me. Another, no, uh, with another race, they will not speak. I promise you they won't. I mean, I probably won't either, but I'm just saying. They ain't going <laughs> to <laughs> Oops, did I say that out loud? Yeah. It's, but it's yeah. funny the things that you do observe. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of my observations. So I totally agree with you. And I've had it happen. Like I try, I do everything with a smile. So if they don't even acknowledge the fact that I'm smiling to say hello, I just, but it, it still, it still hurts my heart. Cause I'm just like, geez, we, out here. we are melanated people out here. Why can't we just say hello to one another? See, it hasn't bothered me yet because number one for me, I do the head knot, you know, the, the Chicago, you know, what's up head knot. So that lets me know if you really trying to communicate or not in the first place. And number two, I guess I grew up in an area that I'm accustomed to people not speaking. Um, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah, I know. I mean, I grew up in Boston and ain't nobody so, talking yeah. to you in Boston. So, exactly. <laughs> exactly. so I, I get it, but I feel like there's a sense of camaraderie when you're abroad because I don't know. It's just, I, I'm standing like in the middle of maybe a square in Japan and everyone's Japanese and I see one and I'm just like, Ooh, Hey, right. but it's all good. I, I try mm -hmm. not to take it personal. 
So Derek, you know, what advice would you have for somebody who is thinking about doing this and they're brand new to this? Okay. They're, they're totally brand new. How would you encourage them? What advice would you give them to, so that they can actually make that decision to move abroad? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Um, number one, make sure that you have a reliable source of income before you leave, whatever that is. If it's that you decide that you're going to save X amount of dollars and live off of it for X amount of time, that's a way or have some income coming in from a business or job or whatever. So make sure that's established. Number two, keep your plans to yourself until they've actually been made and fortified. And number three, don't have a plan B, just do it when it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, figure it out if that happens, but don't go into it with kind of a defeatist attitude to say, this is what I'm going to do. And that's it. That's great advice. Yeah. No, sometimes you just, you just got to do it. You won't know until you're actually on the other side of that decision. I don't think it's sometimes. I think it's all the time. I think we yeah. are our worst enemies. Mm -hmm. We talk ourselves we out of everything. Or other, we allow other people to talk us out of it. And that's why, you know, I'm of the opinion that you need to keep things like this, especially when you talk to people that have not done something like this. They don't, you know, they mean well, but they usually are giving you bad advice. So just don't say anything, you know. Mm -hmm. And I know for some people, it is so difficult to keep things to themselves, but you have to for your own sanity. And so you're not, you know, trying to be that person at the pool, putting your toe in, you're going to have to just dive in for a decision like that. You're just going to have to just take the plunge and, you know, it might be cold for two seconds, but it'll be fine once you get in there. You're right. I will add to that. If you're going to take the plunge, definitely do your research, really research, because I don't want people to, to think that it's like, you know what, fuck it. Let me just... <laughs> Tell me, no, you need a little bit of background. Right. You need to have a conversation with somebody, reach out to people in groups, talk to us, talk to anybody. But yeah, you yep. don't do YouTube it. YouTube is your friend. Yes. YouTube is definitely your friend. So I can't, like I said, I can't tell you the amount of um, hundreds of hours I've spent on YouTube researching. And Facebook. I think Facebook has been great because any country that you can potentially think about in your head, you just go to the search, type in that country. Yeah. Well, type in certain keywords and you should be able to pull up groups of expats, um, Americans abroad, black Americans abroad, whatever it is, you can pull yeah. up groups that potentially have people that are from there, that live there or have traveled there and they can help out, you know, as much as they can with your questions. Absolutely. That's great. That's great advice because I was very late to that party. Like I didn't find the Facebook groups over here until like mid-November. <laughs> so I was extremely late. So I didn't even think I was going to find any black people over here other than like, you know, maybe about four or five hovering around or, or so forth. But that has been the only surprise that I've had since I've been here. And that's probably one of the reasons why you were able to penetrate the community so quickly is because you use those groups. Because I remember mm -hmm. you had wrote in one of those groups and I actually responded. And I was yep. like, hey, you know, hit me up when you get here. Let's do lunch. And then the day you show up, I see you for brunch. Exactly. Lots so, of love. So let's all get off the plane. So, you know, the groups are definitely, if you are trying to get social, it's, you know, I'd spent the whole month being social, 
you know, I'm kind of getting back focused on work in January because I did a little too much socializing last month. <laughs> it can happen. It sure <laughs> I will say, can I will happen. say that. So, you know, I, my friends that listen to this, I love you guys, but, you know, this work got to get done. I got to make this money. Yeah. So if anyone's having any reservations about making this happen, there are communities here. There are people you can talk to. And nine out of 10 times, if someone has already been abroad, you can just reach out to them and say, hey, I noticed that you're doing this. Can I ask you a question? We will answer because we know what it was like for us when we were trying to find that information. So definitely reach out and, you know, tap into your resources. So Derek, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on my personal page on Instagram. It is the D Lens Experience. So that is the word the T H E D Lens. D is in Derek, E is in um, Enterprise, L I N C and experience all one word um on instagram and then my business page is derek d-e-r-e-k the strategist.com nice awesome derek thank you so much thank for talking derek. with us thank you so thank much you. for sharing some really good resources and educating our listeners on some things about being freshly new abroad so we really do look forward to seeing more from you absolutely can't wait thank you guys Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.